Trustee Baker. Here. Trustee Rios. Here. Trustee Dodd. Uh, Trustee Kishinev. Here. Trustee De Luna, I see, is absent for the moment. And I see student trustee Giovanni Alejandro Martinez is also absent. Um, trustee Olson? Here. And Trustee Iverson? Here. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next is item 2.3, land acknowledgement. As we gather today, it is important to acknowledge that Napa Valley College and the surrounding Napa Valley sit on the unceded, traditional, ancestral, and contemporary homelands of the Miwok, Patwin, who are composed of three federally recognized tribes, the Kasho Dehi, Band of Wintun Indians of the Calusa Indian Community, the Quetzal Dehi Band of Wintun Indians, and the Yochad Dehi Wintun Nation, and Wapo, including the Meshawal Wapo, also known as the Onostasi peoples. As part of Napa Valley's college mission of preparing students for evolving roles in a diverse, dynamic, and interdependent world, and in accordance with the college's values of honesty, integrity, inclusivity, and respect for others, we make this acknowledgement. We also affirm that this acknowledgement is insufficient. It does not undo the harm that has been and continues to be perpetrated against indigenous people, the land and water. May we hold steady in our commitment to be in solidarity and in action to seek equity and justice with Miwok, Katwin, and Mapo peoples. Next is item 2.4, adoption of the agenda. Uh, is there any changes to the agenda? None. There is. Eliminating. We are pulling item 4.2. Public employment. Okay. Uh, all right. Any other changes? Hearing none, we will move to our open session. Uh, actually, uh, is Mr. Azevedo here? Mr. Azevedo, um, would you like to do this in open or closed session? Okay. Uh, is there any other public comment not related to this? Adam? No, and I just gave you the cards. Okay. So I do have speakers. So good afternoon, board properly placed the matter on today's closed session agenda for public employee discipline, dismissal, and release pursuant to the Brown Act of Government Code Section 554957, Subdivision D1. Also pursuant to the Brown Act Government Code Section 54957, Subdivision D2, employee was given. Notice that this matter had been placed on the closed session agenda of the regular meeting scheduled for today, and an opportunity to request the matter instead be heard in open session during the time period on the agenda dedicated to open meeting. Public comment on closed session items. 
Um, so I've been informed by Mr. Azevedo that we're requesting to be heard in open session. That's been stated now. Um, before we begin, I'll take a few moments to explain the process that we'll use to conduct this open session item. Under the Brown Act, an employee may request that complaints and charges be heard in open session. When such a request is made, we are required to hear in open session the complaints or charges that we would otherwise have heard in closed session. Therefore, we will hear from Eileen O'Hare Anderson, the district's counsel, on the factual basis for the district's recommendation in open session. The employee will have an opportunity to speak. Then Ms. O'Hare Anderson will present the district argument. That will end the public consideration of the charges. Any members of the public who wish to speak on this matter may then speak, subject to the board's usual procedures for hearing public comment. After public comment, the board will move to closed session for deliberations. The board will make its decision in closed session. So open session proceeding, Ms. O'Hare Anderson, Please proceed. Thank you. Good evening, trustees. Uh, this is a factual summary of the allegations in the notice of discipline and then a pr brief procedural summary of the background of this matter. Uh, I'll return in a minute to give you the district's legal and factual arguments. Uh, on April 21st, 2002, the Napa Valley Community College District Police Department received a report that Mr. Azevedo and another custodian had left campus for several hours uh, to go to a local bar. Uh, upon returning, uh, the department was informed that there was an altercation with an unhoused person uh, near the edge of campus and that Mr. Azevedo and the other custodian were involved in throwing a rock at the unhoused person and yelling at, at him and that there was an altercation. The next day, uh, a district police officer saw Mr. Azevedo and the other custodian walking down the stairs near the 2000 building near the, the health center. Uh, Mr. Azevedo was holding a, a silver-colored Coors Light beer can. Uh, he saw the officer. He turned around, moved toward the parking lot, out of the officer's sight for a moment, and then returned without the beer can in his hand. Uh, the police officer approached Mr. Azevedo, told him they'd received a report that he had been off campus uh, at a local bar. Mr. Azevedo denied that. Uh, he had been off campus, denied he had been at a bar. Uh, and during this altercation, the officer noticed that Mr. Azevedo had trouble following his very simple statements. He wasn't following along. Uh, he also noticed he was uh, slurring his speech and, and had other indications of, of having consumed alcohol or being intoxicated. Uh, Mr. Azevedo became combative and aggressive with the officer, he raised his hands to the officer, uh, said the officer should, quote, do a test, close quote. Uh, he said he, uh, Mr. Azevedo said he did not like being roughed up by a police officer who has a gun so he can shoot his, and pardon my language, fucking ass, what the fuck is going on? Mr. Azevedo said, I don't understand where you're coming from. I'm walking here, going to lunch, and then all of a sudden I'm a what? I'm a drunk? A drunk, I'm this, I'm that. Uh, Mr. Azevedo accused the officer of calling him a drunk, 
told him to stop fucking with him. The officer explained he was just sharing the report that the police department had received. Uh, Mr. Azevedo continued to raise his voice and shouted, this is bullshit. This whole thing is bullshit. Continuing to shout profanities at the police officer and walking away from the police officer, waving his arms in the air and continuing to shout. All of this interaction was on the officer's body-worn camera. Uh, after the, he finished the conversation, the police officer walked down toward the end of the walkway near where Mr. Uh, Azevedo had disappeared from view for a moment, uh, and he found a Coors Light beer can on the ground there. Uh, Mr. Reeves was called to campus. He arrived. He and the officer uh, approached Mr. Azevedo and spoke to him. Uh, Mr. Reeves asked, could call someone to come help Mr. Azevedo come home because he couldn't drive in his present condition. Mr. Azevedo became angry, asked uh, Vice President Reeves to perform a, a drug test, denied drinking, uh, asked Mr. Vice, as I said, asked Vice President Reeves to perform a drug test, accused Mr. Reeves of calling him a fucking drunk, raised his voice, was waving his hands in Vice President Reeves's general direction, uh, accused uh, Vice President Reeves of taking advantage of him and trying to get him to retire. Uh, he said he thought he had been there long enough and that the uh, district had treated me like shit for 12 fucking years of my life and never give me a raise. You're going to, you're going to fuck with me now. Uh, Mr. Reeves tried to de-escalate the situation. Uh, in the end, Mr. Azevedo walked away from Mr. Reeves, still yelling uh, profanities such as this is bullshit. This whole shit is bullshit. As a result of all of this behavior and his observations, the police officer concluded that Mr. Azevedo was intoxicated uh, based on the presence of the first light can, the behavior, the slurred speech, the uh, very aggressive and belligerent animated uh, yelling, uh, and the fact that he was having, Mr. Azevedo was having trouble following very simple statements from the officer. Uh, a few days later, uh, Vice President Alvaron and Mr. Reeves met with Mr. Azevedo and a union representative. Initially, Mr. Azevedo claimed he did not recall the incident, did not recall holding a beer can, did not recall the entire conversation with uh, Vice President Reeves and the police officer. Uh, he caucused and stepped out of the room to speak with his union rep and then only then came back and admitted he had an alcohol problem and it requested treatment. Um, the district then conducted an investigation into the extent of the, the misconduct. Um, after the investigation was complete, the district prepared and served a charge packet, a disciplinary packet on Mr. Azevedo. We uh, engaged in the required due process, including pre-deprivation due process. Uh, under the collective bargaining agreement, appeals, uh, Excuse me, let me step back. I skipped a step. Um, we engaged in the required due process. Uh, the district made a, a decision to proceed with the termination. That took place on September 14th, 2022. Um, under the bargaining agreement, 
appeals of discipline are heard to and adjust the three-person adjustment board. Uh, we selected the district's representatives, the union selected their representative, the third party, the neutral party, is selected by the State Mediation and Conciliation Service. Uh, we scheduled the hearing. Uh, there was a slight delay in the hearing because the arbitrator became ill on the eve of the day we were originally set to hear the matter. We rescheduled. That caused some delay. Um, the hearing was conducted August 31st, 2023. Uh, each side after the hearing submitted written uh, briefs, written arguments. Uh, then the uh, Adjustment Board issued its recommendation to this board on December 1st, 2023. Uh, the recommendation was not unanimous. There was a dissent from one of the board members. And the question before you tonight is whether to accept the uh, recommendation from the Adjustment Board or not. Was there questions? Can you tell us a little bit more about the dissent? About who, who, what kind of the group they were on? I will. I am. I intend to do that when I return and set forth the district's legal arguments. This was uh, intended just to be the factual basis for the discipline and procedural background. Sorry. Council, there was an understanding, I guess, from the factual basis of uh, that Mr. Observato was offsite at a bar. Just at, where did that information come about? That was a report that was given to the police department uh, by a, an employee on campus. Okay. Any other questions from the board? Mr. Azevedo, would you like to address the board? And if... Yeah, I'd just like to say that um, sometimes you know you don't you don't realize you have a problem until something happens, and uh, you know you need help, and you don't know that you need help, but you need help. And, I was lucky enough to uh, go to my healthcare provider and get the help I needed. And um, I stand here today, 632 days sober. Um, I'm sorry about the incidents. I, I apologize to everybody. Um, just really sorry. And I'm ready to come back to work. And, uh, so you, you agree with the advisory panel and, and uh, give me a second chance. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Azevedo. Uh, the board may now ask any clarifying questions. Uh, we'll start with, we'll just go down, starting with Rios, if you have any kind of move in that direction. Trustee Baker, Trustee Dodd, Trustee Kishner. Well, I'm, I'm waiting to hear the defense and what else. I, I don't have any questions until that. If I may, Trustee Iverson, perhaps this is the appropriate time for me to put forth the district's argument. legal and factual arguments, if I may? Yep. Right, thank you. Um, so the issue before, pardon me. 
for the, the uh, adjustment board uh, was very simple and it's set out in the uh, in the decision, the recommendation from the advisory board. And it is this, was the discharge for cause? And if not, what is the appropriate remedy? The union stated it slightly differently, but it's essentially the same statement. Did the district have cause to terminate Mr. Azevedo without progressive discipline? Uh, the adjustment board found six of the seven charges that were uh, alleged against Mr. Azevedo were proven. Uh, in fact, Mr. Azevedo admitted many of the charges, and, and I'd like you to look, you have, you have for your consideration the reporter's transcript. I'd like you to look at pages 128 to 131 of the reporter's transcript. In there, Mr. Azevedo admits his conduct. He admits that his behavior was inappropriate. He admits, let me get it from me. He admits that, that was him on the, the body cam video. He admits he used profanity. He admits he was discourteous. He admits his conduct violated the uh, collective bargaining agreement. He admits he was unfit to perform his duties of custodian. Uh, when asked if he thought it would have been, un been safe for him to continue working, he said, I don't know. I don't know how to answer to that, answer that because I don't think I would harm myself if that's what you mean. But not, not addressing he would be working with dangerous chemicals, he might be working with heavy heavier machinery. Uh, he admits he would have driven home had he been left alone that night. Uh, he admits all of these charges. Uh, the one charge that the, uh, so let me, let me back up. The charges that were, the board found were proven were unauthorized or excessive absences, discourteous, offensive, or uh, disruptive or abusive conduct, dishonesty, drunkenness on duty, incompetence or negligent, uh, uh, neg neglect of duty, uh, the one that was not found to be, uh, oh, excuse me, an evident unfitness for duty, that was found to be that proven. The one that was not proven was willful or persistent violation of uh, board policies. All the others were proven. And all of those are sufficient to support and justify Mr. Azevedo's termination. The issue here is not simply drinking on duty, though Lord knows that alone is enough to justify termination. But there was also his absence from duty. There was his uh, dishonesty uh, in his interactions with the police officer and with Vice President Reeves. Uh, there was his foul language, aggressive behavior, uh, all, all of which the uh, adjustment board found to be proven. Um, 
the one thing that the adjustment, the majority of the adjustment board found, uh, and the reason they found the way they did was they thought that it was a reasonable accommodation uh, under the uh, Americans with Disabilities Act uh, to allow Mr. Azevedo to return. However, that is an incorrect reading of the ADA and the state corollary of the Fair Employment and Housing Act because the ADA addresses in the FEHA address accommodations in the workplace. They do not address mis uh, appropriate discipline for misconduct in the workplace. And that's what we were addressing here, the appropriate discipline for misconduct in the workplace. Uh, the recommendation, in addition, um, would violate the education code. Uh, it, the recommendation is that Mr. Azevedo be returned uh, as a probationary employee, which is not permiss permitted under the education code. Once an employee has attained permanence, you can't take the, per take the permanence away except through a disciplinary action such as we have here. You can't put him back as a, a probationary employee. Uh, the district had uh, appropriate cause to discipline. The discipline here was appropriate uh, to adopt the majority of the discipline uh, excuse me, of the adjustment board's uh, recommendation would be to allow Mr. Azevedo to escape any consequences at all for his behavior. Uh, here, the district was uh, justified in the termination. The district clearly had cause to terminate, and we would urge the board to uphold uh, the discipline and sustain the termination. There are any questions? I just had a question about the timeline. Um, so this originally occurred in April 22, correct? Right. And then there was something that happened in September of 22. What was that? That was the termination. The okay. termination became effective September 14, 22. So at, at what point did uh, the employee become in a, a non-paid status was he at the termination? He has been in paid status. He has been in paid status this entire time. But has he at any time since April been actually on the job? Actually been on the job. Okay. That's all I need to know. Thank you. Any other questions from the board? Yeah. He said he's he's on paid status now. Um, <laughs> recommendation was to reinstate him as a probationary employee, but that is prohibited? Correct. Can you explain that a little bit? The, the recommendation from the adjustment board is to uh, re reinstate Mr. Azevedo as a probationary employee and to put him on what's called a last chance agreement. Uh, and the, the recommendation is, is in the materials provided to you. Um, the, the last chance agreement part of that is, is permissible, and while it's not necessarily best practice, that it, it's legally permissible for a classified employee. Uh, but you, once a, a classified employee becomes a permanent classified employee, you can't undo that permanence. You can't return him to a probationary status. That's simply not permitted by the code. I 
I have another question. Oh, sorry about the adjustment board. That was a, a comprised of three a district people and three union people. No, there was one dis one district appointee, one union appointee, and then a third neutral arbitrator who was appointed by uh, striking off a list we received from state media, the uh, state agency. And their and they and their collective, all three of them are recommending this last chance two of them two of the three uh, a majority make that recommendation okay. the third uh provided a dissent okay but the third said no last chance the third said sustain the termination no okay. last chance my words obviously that was a paraphrase and so how how would that work if you if you are Prohibited from returning returning him to temporary status, probation status, but they say to do it anyway. So how does that work? That's a good question, Trustee. I don't I don't know how that would work. Okay. Any other questions from the board? Just have uh, one. Now you said there was a difference between the return on a probationary status what was the last chance that you said was legal but not a best practice or so the uh, a last chance agreement in general is a, an agreement that both the district and the employee enter into that says some version of the employee must be on best behavior for a certain period of time and any violation is sustained any violation of work rules Ed code, Title Five, whatever, uh, would be grounds for termination. Thank you. In in that circumstance, if there is, say, for instance, uh, the employee was to return to work under that circumstance, and then there was a violation of any kind, are we then kicked back into this whole? There has to be a board. There has to be, or is it? You're done, and you're done. Lawyers disagree about that. Uh, I think the the wiser course and the more uh, legally prudent course is that there has to be some level of due process, even after a last chance agreement. It may be more uh, reduced uh, due process than in your bargaining agreement, but there has to be some kind of proof that there was, in fact, a violation. Are we permitted to ask questions of Mr. Acevedo? You can ask questions, yeah. Yeah, go. I'm, I'm not quite following everything, so excuse me if you've already addressed, addressed this. I think I'm following everything, but slowly. Um, had there been, there was other unauthorized absences, so had there been other disciplinary actions or um, com complaints or however, there, there had not been any uh, discipline that had risen to the level of something placed in his personnel file. Understood. I'm sorry, when, what was the date of the, the last incident where he was caught with the, the beer? Uh, April 22nd, I believe, 2022. 2022, okay, thank you. I think that's, I'm good. 
you have questions for Mr. As no, I, I think I figured it out. Okay, so any other questions from the board? So at this point, we will now hear from public comment. If any on this matter, I do have two, three, four, five speaker cards. I don't know if there's anyone else that missed one, but in no particular order, Michael Rayford. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Michael Rayford. I'm the lead custodian here at the campus. And I've known Joe since I started here at Napa Valley College. And I've never seen him get angry at any students or anybody else. So, um, I just hope that you guys see in your heart that he actually bettered himself because he was going through some family issues too at the same time. And you got to remember that was COVID and we were working alone at the same time on the campus without a manager, without a supervisor. So I just wanted you guys to know that whatever he did, I think he's learned his lesson. And we're here to support him and help him with whatever he needs. And that's all I wanted to say. Um, he's a good man, good family man. And I just want you guys to know that. And this Thank you, Michael. Uh, Deborah. Good evening, board. Uh, my name is Deborah Beastree. I uh, worked with Joe um, pretty much the whole time he was here. I worked uh, five years longer than him. Joe is a very, very good worker, a team player and does anything that he's requested to do on his job. He's uh, fair and um, and always willing to give a helping hand, uh, working overtime if needed back in the day, all of the good stuff. Uh, very cordial with everybody I know and everybody that has worked around Joe. Uh, co-workers as, as a team, because I am now retired, but as a team, um, we, we got along very well. And I think that um, you dismissing Joe at this time would be uh, um, bad on your part because Joe is in a, a very, very good worker on time um, and, and uh, just believes in being a helping hand for, for the college. And I feel that he's been great to the college. He is a very good family man as well. Um, he's trying to do the best he can. Um, um, with life. And like Mike had said earlier, Joe has been through a lot. He has made major changes for the better. And I think also better for the, for the college. I feel personally, I feel that the 
board didn't follow the contract and Joe should have had um, an, a better opportunity than just kick to the curb. So um, that's all I really have to say. I just feel that that he's a good worker and that he should get a second chance. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah. Uh, just, oh, I just think, thank you. Uh, Jesenia Koda. Good evening. My name is Jesenia Koda, classified union president. I'm here today on behalf of the Napa Valley College classified professionals whom fully support our colleague. It is our hope that our colleague is given a fair and equitable second chance. Our colleague is ready to return to work and be an invaluable asset to, Napa Valley, to the Napa Valley College family as he once was. And I just want to repeat that it is our hope that our colleague is given a fair and equitable second chance. Thank you. Thank you, Jasenia. Lana Vargas. Good afternoon, board members. Um, I've known Joe Acevedo for probably about five years. Um, as long as my parents have been here, my parents are Deborah Beachtree and Michael Rayford. Um, I know Mr. Acevedo more on a personal level. Um, I have not ever had seen Mr. Acevedo get violent with anybody at all, whether it be family, public, anything like that. Um, as my father had stated, he was going through a very difficult time at that time. And I think America was at that time because it was post COVID. Um, and everybody was going through their trials and tribulations and it just got the best of them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I do believe that Mr. Azucito deserves a fair chance, even though I didn't work with him on a, career level. I do know that he's a very hardworking man. He's a family man and he deserves a second chance. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Uh, Lauren Smith. Hello, my name is Lauren Smith. I'm a custodian here and uh, members of the board and campus community. I'm not here to speak on the committed. I'm just here to speak on a man's character. Joe is one of the most valuable members of the custodial team here. Uh, he's been instrumental in training new hires, working on numerous floor projects every year, passing down tips and tricks, and speaking out when the crew has been mistreated. His expertise and knowledge um, is not something the facilities department and school can afford to lose, in my opinion. Uh, I'm asking that you guys allow him the chance to come back and work under the new facilities director, Mr. Vargas, and make progress in the department. The custodial staff is severely understaffed, and we need his expertise and help. He has always been friendly and helpful to his colleagues and students here on the campus and is missed by more than just his fellow custodians. He has been a member of the NVC community for over a dec decade and deserves a chance to come back 
and atone for his mistake. Board members, I ask that you put aside any biases and take into consideration the recommendation from the adjustment board and the words of myself and everyone else that came to support him. Please do not let one unfortunate event erase 12 years of unproblematic service. He's taken steps to better himself, so please allow him to prove himself. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Is there any other public comment in this? Yes, I'd, I'd like to address the board. Uh, representing Mr. Acevedo. Um, I, I just wanted to point out a few things um, uh, about Mr. Acevedo's case. Um, as has already been stated, he's been employed with the district since 2010. He has no prior history of discipline. Um, I, I believe legal counsel expressed that there may have been an issue with absences for which, but there was never risen to the level of a personnel, being placed as personnel file. Um, I don't believe Mr. Acevedo was ever counseled about his attendance. I believe that the unauthorized absence from work had to do with the incident of drinking off campus during work hours. That's that's the unauthorized absence. Um, uh, that as it may, you know, we did not contest the basic facts of what happened um, in April of 2022. Uh, Mr. Acevedo did, as you heard, voluntarily enter an alcohol treatment program. Um, alcoholism is a you know serious uh, disease. He has uh, sought treatment of his own accord after being um, interviewed by uh, human resources about that incident uh, before any discipline charges were drafted. And he has maintained his sobriety and the union would support a last chance agreement for him, which um, while uh, legal counsel said is not a best practice, it, in my experience in six years as a uh, labor representative is something that um, is, is fairly common in cases where substance abuse is an issue for an employee. These are not things that we generally oppose. Um, we do feel that people deserve second chances, especially when battling a serious uh, illness like that. Uh, but Mr. Acevedo is getting the treatment he needs and has been sober for the uh, duration um, since he was placed on leave. And uh, and we firmly believe that if returned to work, that he would be able to uh, continue his sobriety. You know, it's been uh, going on two years since the incident, and he has been able to maintain a sobriety that entire time. And if returned to work, uh, we have no doubt that that he would keep his treatment up and you know be a valuable uh, asset here on the campus as he was once. Thank you, Thank you Casey. Any anybody else in this room? I think we do have one joining us online. Um, anyone else in the room right now? Catherine Martin Oldwin, can we let him in? Yes, hello. Hi, Martin. Hello. Uh, I work for Student Support uh, Services uh, Trio. I've been on the campus for over 23 years and have known uh, Joe over, over 13 years. As everybody has mentioned, he's an excellent worker, very dedicated, very committed. Uh, he's always set up events for us and takes care of our our students and their family members uh, when they come to these special events on campus, always checking in with us throughout the event to make sure that we have everything we need, uh, bringing extra tables or tables, when, uh, I'm sorry, ch uh, chairs and tables when necessary. Again, he is very committed to his job. It is very unfortunate that this happened, uh, but uh, again, uh, he's, he's a quality worker and we all make mistakes. And he has been doing what he needs to do to correct himself and take care of himself. And COVID did cause a lot of problems for a lot of people, as mentioned. And I think maybe this is something that happened to Joe. 
but I do strongly, strongly, strongly encourage the board to give him a second chance. Again, he's very committed to be to work. And uh, as he mentioned his own words, um, this is something he's not proud of. And this is something he regrets. And he's been doing what he needs to do to better himself. As uh, Michael mentioned, I think he's actually in a better place now than before. So please, please give him a second chance. And, um, and thank you. Thank you, Martin. Um, no more public comment. Um, this hearing is concluded and the board will deliberate on this matter in closed session. We're gonna return from closed session and report out. So on September 14, 2022, the district terminated a custodian. The employee appealed under the process set out in the collective bargaining agreement after a hearing the adjustment board provided a recommendation to the board of trustees that the district reinstate the employee. In closed session, the board, by a vote of six to one, with trustees Rios, trustee Dodd, trustee Baker, and trustee DeLuna, trustee Olson, and trustee Iverson, um, supporting with trustee Kishniff, um, not supporting, took action to reject the hearing officer's recommendation. Um, so at this point, I will, we will have the matter closed and there's nothing else to report out on closed session. So we're going to move ahead. Just a quick question. Um, you're voting to reject the hearing officer's recommendation, meaning you're accepting the adjustment panel or are you upholding the termination or are you reinstating the employee? We're upholding the termination. Any other questions on that? Okay. So now we'll move to item six, public comment general. This public comment opportunity is covered by the California Brown Act. By definition, this is an opportunity to hear concerns, perspectives, and differing vantage points. The board is not able under the Brown Act to engage in any level of conversation or discussion but we look forward to this opportunity to gather community input. At this time, the board will devote up to 15 minutes to review comment to the Board of Trustees regarding any subject not appearing as an agenda item for this meeting, but over which the board has jurisdiction. No action or discussion will occur at this time on such items. Each comment shall last no longer than three minutes. Catherine, do we have any public comment? Uh, we do not. Okay, thank you. Moving on to 7.1, um, recognition of service for our former board chair, Jeff Dodd. Jeff, I have a little something for you here. I'll let you take it out of the last day. Uh, Board wanted to recognize you for your two years of service as board chair, um, in which you helped steer the, the board and the district through some tough times and also saw some pretty big wins for us. So 
definitely commend you and appreciate all of your service over the last two years. All right. So thank you, Trustee Dodd, again. So we are going to move to 8.1, approval of the consent calendar. Uh, does any trustee have any questions on the consent calendar? Do we need to pull anything? Move approval. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Consent calendar passes unanimous. Baker and Olson. Okay. Uh, nothing on item nine, number 10, human resources information, 10.1 action item acceptance of Napa Valley College Faculty Association, CCA, CTA, NEA, revised initial proposal for negotiations for a new contract starting July 1, 2024. Is there any public comment, Catherine? No, there is not. Okay, so I have a motion. Vote for acceptance. I'll second. Uh, Trustee Rios made the motion with Trustee Kishnev seconding. Um, is there any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Uh, motion passes unanimously. Thank you. Next action item 10.2 adoption of the Napa Valley Community College District and Napa Valley College Faculty Association. CCA, CTA, NEA, initial proposal for reopener negotiations for contract starting July 1, 2024. Any public comment? No, I have no public comment. Motion to adopt the proposal. A motion by Trustee Dodd. Do I have a second? Second. Second by Trustee Olson. Any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Motion passes unanimously. Thank you. Uh, 11, 12, 13, uh, administrative services information. This is our unrestricted general fund, 11 operating fund revenues and expenditures budget updates as of December 31st, 2023. Mr. Jim Reeves. Thank you, President Iverson. This is the um, fund 11 report that we provide to you once a month. You'll notice in the upper right corner uh, behind um, my picture, it says six out of 12, so we're 50% of the budget uh, in this report. So again, as you look down that right column, if you wanted to do a really quick analysis about where we are relative to budget, that 50% should uh, certainly on the expenditure side generally align with 50%, though that, that is never perfect, and there are some timing issues there. But that said, we'll look to our revenues. Our revenues are at 61% of budget. You'll, you'll remember last month they were at around 6% of budget. So clearly um, many people have paid their first installment of their property taxes and, and we realize the benefit of that. The, the um, federal income is still not showing. We're, uh, we're not expecting a lot, but it's not showing. Uh, state income is at 57%. Again, uh, state income we expect to be in decline um, over the next, uh, certainly the short term, as most of you are seeing, the state budget uh, is is not as uh, robust as it once was. Uh, uh, so uh, these in Fund 11, state income and Fund 11 are largely related to our enrollments um, and the available funds from the state. Uh, fortunately, our property taxes are are, are remain um, healthy, and they are um, they are much more stable than state revenues. 
And that was one of the advantages that the board considered when it moved to a property, a community-based institution. So um, while we're not completely insulated, uh, I think uh, certainly the projections for property tax seem to be fairly stable as opposed to uh, state revenues. Um, other financing sources are doing uh, okay. Uh, so we're at 61%. We're about $2.4 million ahead of where we were last year at this point in terms of revenue. In salaries, uh, uh, um, we're uh, the total you'll notice we're at 46%. We're still seeing some trending uh, below budget of for full-time faculty, which suggests that we have a few fewer full-time faculty than we anticipated at the planning point. Um, and and I, mine is conjecture, but certainly the numbers are suggesting that we're backfilling some of those uh, those vacant full-time faculty with part-time positions. So you can see that's at 56% uh, right now. Um, the total uh, salaries were running at 46% or about $1 million at this point under budget. So there is, uh, that's trending, certainly the variance, there's a positive variance and we're trending in a, in a, in a positive direction. Employee benefits are just about right on target at 49%. Books and supplies are at 45%. Again, those tend to be timing um, purchases related to just before the beginning of each semester. So those will be, should be re relatively stable into the early spring. The numbers are fairly small there, but we are, uh, we're on target there, I would say. The other areas, total operating expenditures are at 49%. The two areas we've talked about in the past, the 111% for for 150% uh, for rentals, that's a reclass because we now have to record uh, software subscriptions as a rental. Um, and then 111% on dues and memberships. We're at about thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars um, $14,000 above uh, where we were last year. That's an interesting number. Uh, I want to get you a little more detail on that. Um, to see what we're doing there, because we're 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 trending a little a little higher than we thought. The variance today is only thirteen thousand. I say thirteen thousand only relative to the size of our budget. It's fairly nominal, but it's worth looking at. So, but we are trending in a positive direction there. Capital outlay is largely due to um, due to timing issues. Seventy percent of budget. Uh, I'm not too concerned yet as, as we're halfway through the year and many of these expenditures in this capital area have already been made. In total, we're at about 47% of our expenditures this year. So we're on target and running at about, we're running uh, about two, let's see, about $1.6 million less in expenditures than at this time last year. So that's all very positive. Um, so long and short of it is we, uh, we're, we're trending in the right direction at 50% through our fiscal year. I will share with you that there have been some additional expenses and some revenue, slight revenue adjustment that I want to present to you as a proposed budget adjustment as early as next, uh, as next month. So with that, I would, I would uh, conclude my report. With, uh, should, you, should you have any additional questions, I'd be happy to try to answer those. Go for it. Um, just a couple questions. Um, I know that we're trending, uh, still trending low on sal overall salaries, but I'm just wondering the uh, temporary part-time that is over and above permanent uh, in terms of what was projected. Is that something that 
will resolve as positions are filled or is that going to continue to be a trend? If we were to hire, um, for example, a full-time faculty to begin the spring term, which is a little late, frankly, it would increase the number. But I would say that the number we want to look at, and I'm going to look to Dr. Moore now, is how much um, how much part-time faculty will be utilizing for the spring semester. So that could change that trend line a bit based on uh, on, on how, how many more or how fewer part-time faculty we use in the spring. And I had another question, Joe, but I'll, I'll let you respond first. Uh, we have, I believe it's four time faculty who are on leave. So those are unanticipated um, in some cases who were on leave in fall, uh, three now in spring. So we need to backfill those with part-timers. But if they're a labor, aren't they still being paid? They're being paid, but they're coming from the full-time salary um, budget, but we need to have the part-timers cover their classes. Oh, okay. So that's okay. an additional expense in the part-time budget. And then my second question was returning to the subject of the rentals and that being software. So we're 150%. Is that, um, is that based on one time like contracts that were, or that were paid like one time in the first half of the year, or is that number going to continue to exceed it past 150? It, it, it may see some some additional expense based on when the renewal for that software occurred. But we're at about 287,000 increase there just because of the software rentals. And it's largely a reclass for another part of the budget. Okay. So okay. that's why we're not seeing a big variance in the total here is because right. we actually switched where we're actually reporting it. Okay, so that'll get corrected in next year's budget. Yes. Okay. Any other questions? Thank you, you guys. Thank you. Uh, next is an action item, or no, I'm sorry, information 14.1, board policies first reading. This is information item. Do we have any, Catherine? No, I have no comments. These uh, both came out of Academic Senate, okay. these recommended changes. Uh, so action 14.2, Board Policies Chapter 3 Review. These are second reading. Is there any public comment? No public comment. No public comment. We have a motion. Like a motion. Approved. Baker made the motion with Olson second. Uh, any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Motion passes unanimously. Thank you. Action 14.3, board policy revisions, second reading. Any public comment, Catherine? No public comment on Motion to approve. Uh, motion by Trustee Dodd. Do I have a second? Second by Trustee Rios. Any discussion, you guys? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Motion carries unanimously. And go to reports. 15.1. Start with Associated Students of Napa Valley College report. 15.2. Priya Sharma, President. We have a report. Priya's not here. I actually don't have any of the constituent group presidents present. 
and okay. neither the the union presidents also. So no reports for classified Senate report. Daniel Alexander, no reports for 15.4 classified association report. That was just Sam Yakota president. And 15.5 administrative confidential, no report. Christine Tapia president. Academic Senate report, 15.6, no report. 15.7 faculty association report, no report. So we will move to president and board reports, 16.1. Start. Yes, um, I'll begin with the academic affairs report. So there are three areas I wanted to report on. The first is just as I regularly do give you an update on enrollment. Um, the most momentous thing this week is that classes began yesterday. So that's very exciting. Um, we are seeing that we're about as we were in fall, seeing a small uptick in enrollment. Um, you can see head counts are also slightly higher. You'll see a discrepancy and you'll continue to see this between credit being more positive and non-credit having a negative um, number. And that's mainly because non-credit, um, we have a supervised tutoring course where the rosters don't get reconciled until later in the semester through positive attendance. So you're gonna continue to see that that's not reflective of the final numbers. Um, one thing you'll also notice, and, and you may recall some discussion about our efforts to ensure that the spaces that we have available to students are being provided to actual students instead of most students. So in the December report, we were showing higher enrollment. The, we had drops that occurred right at the beginning of the year to make sure students coming in had those spaces. So these numbers are slightly lower than they were in December. That's not a reflection, we believe, of the actual enrollment, but cleaning up rosters to remove those ghost students. Um, and then you'll also notice in the second bullet there that we still have space in many classes. Um, we also have late start options for students who are coming in a bit later, or they are in their classes and they notice it's not the right class for them and they can move into another class. So there are still spaces available. We had another momentous thing this week, which was uh, Spring Flex Day that took place on Tuesday. Um, our flex days are two days in fall, one day in spring. What was really wonderful, particularly about this flex day, I think, is just the collaboration that occurred among the groups to help with this on. There has been, from what I understand, a period when um, not all the groups were able to participate or contribute in the same way. So this is a very positive um, day that started off with a wonderful set of um, presentations in the PAC. The sessions were well attended, they were interactive, and I think that they really contributed toward the feeling of community for those who attended. And I wanted to especially acknowledge our um, leadership among our various groups. So Matt Cronter as Academic Senate President, Catherine Bosquet as the Chair of the uh, Faculty Professional Development Committee, Danielle Alexander in her classified role um, as President, and Christine Tapia for the Com Administrative Confidential Group. And then Carrie Six um, rounded out a panel presentation representing the students. So it was really a wonderful day for all of us. The last thing I wanted to update you on is the educational master plan. So um, some of the objectives you may remember from the beginning of our work 
we wanted to ensure that the plan is actionable, equity focused and data driven. We want to make sure that it aligns with our mission, vision, and values. And now that we have that updated version, that is very, very helpful in helping us move forward with our work. We want to continue to have engagement, input, and ownership from all the groups. So in the fall, we um, conducted a number of input sessions, focus groups, and surveys, and we had a lot of engagement from each of those. And this plan, as a reminder, is to cover the five-year period from 24 to 29. And then based on all of that work in the fall semester, which was mainly the data gathering and constituent input period, um, there are five main themes that have arisen from those conversations and input. And the first is enrollment stabilization, the second equitable student outcomes, the third culture and climate, the fourth infrastructure and fiscal sustainability, and the fifth program alignment with regional labor market needs. You'll notice perhaps a striking similarity to some of our other documents, including the board goals, as well as the mission, vision, and values. And what we really want to, to do is make sure that it reflects all of the work that we are have already begun working on and will continue to work on in the future. So um, during the flex day, we had a session on the EMP and we had input again uh, on where we are with that draft. And you can see the next steps, we're getting close to getting this to you. And I know you're very interested in seeing what we are um, working on. So from this month until March, we're working on the development of the draft. In the month of March, the draft will be shared. It might come out late February, but through the month of March, um, to all of the constituent groups to give another round of input um, on that. And then uh, our goal is to provide two readings for you to review um, the draft as well. So we're really excited about this uh, development. The EMP is going to be a very important document to help us see uh, where we are headed in the next five years. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, board and community. Happy. Oh, you okay? It's fine. I'll. I have a report, but um, I didn't get up there. That's fine. I'll. I'll um, go ahead and just um, go out my notes, and then um, you'll get that report. Um, just want to wish everybody a um, a happy new year and a uh, amazing start to the semester. Hope everybody's enjoying the beginning. Um, want to just provide a couple of updates around what we're doing in student affairs, some of the work we've been involved with over this, um, this past uh, couple of weeks since we've been back um, to work. Um, the, I think the number one thing we've been working on student affairs specifically is um, in the areas of enrollment. We uh, have actively been working collaboratively um, in a one-stop shop uh, registration activity days that we've offered to the community of our students. Um, this one-stop shop registration um, activities or activities we've, we've had is really a collaboration between admissions and records, the Welcome Center, <clears throat> counseling, financial aid, um, and other support areas as well. What we've done is we, um, in the Welcome Center specifically, we um, had all of our representatives there supporting students um, late into the evening with helping them to literally fill out their application to the college to um, any help they may need with financial aid. Um, and selecting courses. So really been intentional about making sure our students do get that connection um, with our staff immediately when they come on campus. Um, and, you know, what the research shows around the one-stop shop 
um, experience for students is that it, indeed it, it does help to promote success, but the number one takeaway from that is students feel connected right away. Um, that sense of belonging, that welcome is critical around the one-stop shop experience. So it's something that we are doing and we're very proud of um, in student affairs. So we had one-stop shop registration days. We had one on January 9th and the 10th and 16th and the 17th. Um, and again, we started them officially like a four o'clock in the afternoon and run it to seven. Um, so to really address the the, um, the evening um, hours and, and making sure that we're open to to um, our community, uh, those who may not be able to get during the earlier in the day. Um, so we'll continue to build that and to really develop that and hopefully make that part of what we do in that five college to have that one-stop shop um, experience, not just in a physical way, but in a virtual way. So working um, with our new PIO to really um, establish how that'll look um, on, on the website as well. Um, Student Affairs is also teaming up and working really closely with um, River Trail Village. Specifically, we're working to ensure students have a successful onboard experience. Um, <clears throat> we want this to be successful in their, their school uh, trajectory. Specifically, we're working with enrollment services, financing, basically student life, counseling, other programs to, again, make sure that that onboarding experience from the very beginning um, is, is it's helpful for students, is successful, and we can really promote our our, uh, our housing programs. So by collaboration, um, um, Robin D'Arcangelo has been doing that for, for some time, but we're being now more broadly with student affairs. It's a great site to, to support all those efforts. And my last um, piece of what I wanted to report tonight is we are having our first annual Del Mariachi Festival. So, of course, we have flyers for you. So, we'll go ahead and pass those out. But this is uh, in collaboration with my office, Office of Affairs, um, FMLA College District Ability Services Foundation, DAS. Um, and this year, we'll be offering the festival April 5th through the 7th. So it's, it's three days versus our, our historical one day or two days. Um, this year, we're going to be working collaboratively with our school district and offer work or offer a matinee to our local schools. So we'll bring the campus, um, the K through 12 uh, partners, and we'll be able to experience somebody actually, um, small for them on Friday morning. Um, in addition, we're going to go back to our workshop model that we offered the first year when we offer the Mariachi Festival. So we're going to open up a free workshop to the community to participate for anybody from the community who wants to learn about Mariachi music and performing. So that's exciting. Um, and another uh, big exciting piece is that we're, we're partnering with the music department this year to offer Music 280, which is an instrumental performance seminar for our local students who want to learn about Mariachi. Um, here at my College, to enroll in this course and actually perform um, at the Mariachi Festival on the 6th. So it'll be actually 6th and 7th, if they choose, um, you'll be able to, to, to do that uh, on stage. So we're very excited about that. Um, you'll see that we are bringing back our, back by popular demand, our Las Vegas group, Mariachi of Avilanes. Uh, our middle school group was amazing. They'll be coming back, Mariachi Plata from uh, Southern Nevada. And then we are going to be um, bringing a local high school uh, mariachi group from Davis. So we hope you can join us. Um, and again, maybe the goal of this is to not only promote our programs, but to build connections to collaborations with the community. So our community members can really see that the Valley College is another way of doing mariachi perhaps to, to, um, to enter into education and to be successful. So that concludes my report.
Dr. Guerrero, I have a question. Can you tell me us more about the Instrument Petting Zoo? Uh, yes, the Instrument Petting Zoo is a very cool concept um, that we basically, um, our, our students, our K-12 partners have the um, ability to learn about music, um, but also like pick up the instruments and hold on to them, um, kind of check them out. Um, so hopefully inspire their, their interest by kind of that hands-on experience really meant for um, our, our local schools to experience music in a different way, tactile, right? So um, we this is something that our partners have done and it's been very successful. So we're excited to be able to offer a mariachi clean zoo, uh, which I don't know if there's many of those out there, but we'll be, we'll be doing it here on, on campus. A brief report from uh, Administrative Services. Uh, uh, as you look at the at the report, I think I've spent uh, um, uh, some good time on the 22-23 budget. Excuse me, the 23-24 budget. Got to correct that. Mm -hmm. Institutional technology. We are making reasonable progress. We still have some hiccups. Yesterday was uh, one of those hiccups when we lost our self service module that students access many access for um, for several hours. Uh, so we are working with our team to see how we can avoid those little hiccups that that create uh, uh, unexpected disruptions in, in service. So and at a critical time, no less. We we are making some some progress here. We did um, agree with the Lucian to extend the service of some of their implementation team members uh, as a result of of discovering some issues that were not apparent when they did their initial assessment. We're covering those, uh, that additional expense with some savings in other parts of the IT budget and from some resources that the uh, Chancellor's Office is giving us for IT security. Student housing, uh, I, I think uh, I just noticed a typo. We didn't put in the number of applications, which are 226. That's the second paragraph. Uh, we do have, which is a slight increase. This is, this is as of January 7th, uh, with 56 inquiries being uh, currently pursued. Um, significant uh, issues that we continue to work on are food support for the students in, res in residence and, and some of the wraparound services that will be required of students to, to further support their, their uh, occupancy on campus. I would finally add uh, um, that uh, we've convened a, uh, a team of folks uh, focused on marketing and outreach specific to our housing program. And we've included uh, our own team uh, right on campus, including the Martin Group, Vols Group, and um, and there's someone else there. I don't remember now. Uh, Graystar, uh, who all have marketing pieces, but we, we needed to be sure we're, we had a consistent message and that we weren't duplicating efforts and that we're taking advantage of all the opportunities, both electronically and in person. So um, Dr. Guerrero is on that team. Uh, and and several folks on our campus. So um, and that meets weekly. We've insisted on some urgency here. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if these numbers start to to jump here pretty quickly. Our wine education center uh, is about. Uh, there's a groundbreaking not scheduled yet. They're they're waiting on me to finish up some details on our Kitchell our Kitchell agreement with um, or uh, uh, construction uh, management. Uh, but you can look forward to a groundbreaking there in uh, certainly this spring at some point. 
a report on district auxiliary services, um, both um, DAS and the, the Viticulture and Wine uh, Technology Foundation are uh, putting together ad hoc, commit ad hoc committees to review the revised agreement uh, this spring. Um, let me just go back to the housing. There is a there is a um, request out there of board members to uh, save the date for a ribbon cutting, and also um, and also a walk of the building in the next few weeks. So we'll get some sp some specific in information there. It's exciting to walk through the buildings uh, now. They look like uh, a place you might want to live. Um, so uh, we'll get you more information on those. Facilities, we're pleased to announce and welcome Mr. Miguel Vargas as the new Director of Facilities Services. Miguel uh, began work uh, with the college on January 3rd. Miguel brings with him uh, some 20 years of experience doing facilities, energy management, <clears throat> really work uh, with the military, mostly in Air Force bases. He most recently served at the Veterans Center in Yachtville, is it in Yachtville, as the um, Director of Finance. And uh, he had he has experience with facilities operations in that area as well. An AA in construction uh, technology, a BA in business, an MBA, and he's working an MBA and, and he's working on a, a master's in uh, strategic leadership. So uh, we're very excited about he joining us. We have a lot of work for him, and he has hit the ground running. Let me just give you a, a report on the Ash Landfill topic that is. Uh, certainly uh, in front of us relative to our student housing. We have, uh, we're close to an agreement with the county on, on exactly what the measures will be required for the interim uh, closure agreement. Um, we are in the final hours, I, I hope, um, and uh, we look forward to having certainly that in place well before our students occupy that building. And that would be the conclusion of my report. Good evening, um, trustees, and Happy New Year, albeit that we are almost done with the month of January, which scares me because of the amount of work that we have to accomplish. We are, um, thank you for approving and accepting the Sunshine Articles this evening. We will begin bargaining with our classified union um, professionals. Um, very soon in, in February as their contract expires um, at the end of this uh, fiscal year. Additionally, we are actively bargaining with our faculty association and we look forward to returning to the table to continue our conversations. We're continuing our discussions um, through mutual gains with our administrative senate. In HR, we are always looking for ways to become more efficient, and we are ready to implement our PERFORM, which is a module from our NEO-Ed uh, platform. PERFORM will allow us to conduct all of our performance evaluations online. Um, I know, surprise, we're in 2024. Um, we're just catching up to 2012. Um, so we're super excited to um, implement this and get this going and continue our conversations around performance evaluations with our administrative confidential staff and classified professionals. And once we test it out, I'll be working with um, Dr. Moore on how we can perhaps utilize the system elsewhere. 
training and development, we just recently held our fourth um, professional development with our administrative confidential staff. We've had four sessions building on um, the foundational learning of DEIA. And even though that this was a fourth, it's not the last. This whole goal was to provide foundational learning of what this work means and how we can build on it. I just recently had a conversation with um, Dr. Musami um, in creating a strategy on how we can continue to move forward and build on top of the foundation that's been provided. Our managers are not the only ones that will be getting this training. We're also working with um, consultants to develop training for our classified professionals. So they also will receive training to provide foundational learning of how important this work is, what it means to us, and how we are all responsible for this work. Our keys training, um, we will be releasing our keys training, which is our one-year manager's training. That'll be coming out in the next month. And you see why I'm worried that we're already through uh, January. We have so much to do. Uh, our recruitment, um, we have had eight new hires so far. We have not in progress. What is very important for you all to know is we continue to pilot the blind application process. We will be sending out a survey to all of those that are participated in recent recruitments utilizing this process to determine the, um, whether or not this is working to increase the number of um, diversity within our those chosen for interview and thus um, for hire. And that concludes my report. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, board. Uh, I'm here to give your monthly update on accreditation. So this is um, now the timeline basically moving from uh, where we are now uh, through when the ACCJC will notify us of the action that will be taken on our follow-up report and site visit. So um, you hopefully will recall that we had um, preliminary drafts of all of the responses to the six college requirements that were shared with the campus community last semester. And you all received through Dr. Powell um, the entire um, draft of that uh, in December. Um, we are now actively engaged in updating all of those responses to reflect rather than September, October, or November when those were drafted, uh, what, what um, the state of affairs is as of uh, January. So um, I've been uh, working on that um, constantly. I think it, since you guys have been um, uh, convened, I sent Dr. Powell two more updated drafts for his review. He's probably sick of being bombarded by my emails. Um, so we uh, have already, uh, so in December, we began posting the updated responses as well as the associated evidence so that the campus community could review it. Um, I worked with the Aleutian folks uh, in IT to um, identify the most appropriate and secure mechanism for posting that. And so we are doing that through Microsoft Teams. Um, let's see, so as indicated on that first green row, um, we've, um, as of yesterday, I posted two of the updated responses. Um, today we did another one. So um, college requirement four has been updated and posted for the campus community. Um, my goal is to have the 
um, completely rehauled um, updated version available to send out to extended cabinet uh, by end of the day tomorrow. Uh, they do have a meeting scheduled for uh, for Tuesday. And uh, so I'm going to give them time to sufficient time to uh, read and engage with the updated version. Um, then we'll um, shift over to the evidence side to get that posted. Um, so we will be collecting feedback as we did on the uh, preliminary uh, drafts in the fall. We'll be collecting feedback from the campus community that has already begun, but it will go extend through uh, early February. We will be collecting signatures uh, for the certification page from our um, constituent group leaders and uh, Dr. Powell, myself as ALO and um, Trustee Iverson, you will be uh, as the board uh, President, you will be asked to sign that as well at your February meeting. So we will have the February report as an action item for you all at that time. So um, that February 15th date is approval by you all. Um, so then we have between um, the middle of February and by March 1st is when our uh, report is due. So we have that uh, couple week period to get it all submitted to the ACCJC. Um, work will continue even after that submission because that's the nature of accreditation, uh, ongoing continuous improvement. So anything that is um, that occurs between submission of the report or whatever the snapshot date is and um, when we submit it and, and when the team comes, um, that, that site visit is scheduled for April 8th, um, then we'll, uh, my office will compile additional information and have that available for the team to consider um, as the snapshot as of the site visit. Um, the commission is scheduled for um, meeting uh, June 5th through 7th of this year. We are officially, so the, just yesterday, the ACCJC informed all of the, um, the institutions um, that were, whose reports were considered at the January meeting. They notified all of them of their action taken in January. So we are officially on deck in that the next um, convening of the commission will involve our report and site visit. Um, so they, that will happen in early June, and then we expect notification. I, I think this turnaround was within two weeks, which is the fastest I think that it's been. Um, they are required um, by federal uh, accreditation rules that uh, have to notify us within 30 days of the convening and the action that's taken by the commission. Finally, I've incorporated just a little um, note and uh, link there for you all. Um, you might recall that in November, and December, there were some actions that you took that involved um, discontinuation of three um, instructional programs, and then uh, the mission, vision, and value statements. And those are considered; those uh, fall under um, the substantive change uh, policy of the uh, accrediting commission. And so, we are required to um, submit a form notifying them of those changes. I did that the day after you all took action in both um, November and December, and they have. Um, thanked us for <laughs> notifying them. We don't need to do a larger substantive change report in, a, in connection with those. Uh, the email uh, and the form submission was sufficient for them. And so their letters acknowledging those changes um, are posted on that uh, link that's at the bottom of the page. That's all I have for you. Thank you. All right. Thank you all. Thank you, members of cabinet. Uh, just a few quick things for me. I want to first start off by saying congratulations to our men's basketball team who got their first win of the season last night against Solano College. Uh, it's okay. We're going to focus on the one, not the 16. <laughs> yes. Uh, congrats and congrats on the women's basketball team. Although they did lose to Solano, they had a uh, five-game winning streak before that. So 
uh, Miss Basketball is really kicking butt. Uh, on Tuesday, I had the chance to share comments at the Flex Day, and the theme of my comments were really uh, reflection and momentum. And I think that's been really present in the uh, cabinet reports today, this sense of energy and momentum, um, while also being reflective of all of the work that has been conducted uh, at this institution for quite some time. Um, and then most specifically, a lot of the really good work that's been happening over the last two or three years or so. Um, we had an interesting uh, factoid or piece of information coming out of the EMP, and that was uh, reflections from our students in terms of their overall perceptions of the college. And what we found through the EMP is that our students have an incredibly high uh, sense of, of, of well regard for the institution and the college, but members of the campus community don't. And it's really interesting, I think, because of all the things that have been associated with the college at times, we've internalized to some degree um, elements of the college and just how good we are. And you know, the the real theme of, of this semester is, you know, really acknowledging and standing in the work that has been, uh, the quality work that's been going on on this campus for years and that continues to persist and only gets better uh, as we get even better as an institution at really uh, identifying our goals and working collaboratively with members of the campus community and the external community. And that external community is really part of, you know, one of the themes that we'll continue to see uh, as we move into this next semester, you know, I've, I was at the uh, foundation uh, holiday party and shared some reflections and thoughts on what our priorities are as an institution and how, as a community college, the focus on really providing, you know, basic needs for students, addressing, you know, their, their food security, their housing security, their transportation, uh, their mental health. These four areas are so critical and essential for us as an institution. Uh, in promoting student success, which is oftentimes these are the things that detract from students' abilities to really be successful in the classroom. So as we gear up and, and really uh, build and establish or, or strengthen some of the existing relationships we have with our partners in the community, you know, we are actively looking at ways to support students in these four areas. Uh, we had a dynamic great meeting yesterday. Trustee Olson was there with us uh, with Pinnacle Lay to discuss ways that we can partner and collaborate uh, very innovatively towards holistic student success. And as we look towards engaging additional uh, organizations within the community, that will continue to be our theme um, as we really work in, in intentional ways towards promoting a holistic student success by promoting uh, the whole student. Um, last piece I just want to want to throw out is, is, is a thank you to the team as always. Um, this year it started off really good, you know, our momentum and our energy uh, as reflected by uh, what we, you know, what we went, just the energy within, you know, the flex day and all of the presentations really, I think, demonstrates the uh, the campus's growing and strengthening ability to work as a unit and do some really awesome stuff. So thank you for your leadership in that space, and thank you, trustee, for your continued leadership and support towards helping consider our direction. And with that, we conclude our presentation report. Feel like we haven't heard from Terry yet. Does Terry have anything he wants to share? Or PIO? Rod, sorry, I was reading a report. Okay.
Thank you. And I'll, I'll get it right next time. I apologize. Um, we're going to move on to 16.2 standing committee and other appointment reports. This will be for December. I don't, do we have anything from DAS? Uh, anything from DWT? Audit and finance. Did that last month. Um, and McPherson distinguished teaching award. No. And Shank, and then real property, nothing. Oh, trustee and board chair report, 16.4. We'll start with you, Trustee Kishnick. I don't have much to report, but I did attend the Martin Luther King Jr. March in Vallejo on Monday that was hosted by the Vallejo chapter of the NAACP. And I wanted to give a shout out to Patricia Hunter, the new uh, chair of the Vallejo chapter of the NAACP who took control in March of last year. She deserves a lot of credit for her presidency. And I know the city of Vallejo appreciates her. Thank you. Trustee DeLuna. Trustee Olson. Hi, thank you. Um, I just wanted to share that we are two weeks away, a little over two weeks away from our seventh annual um, Black History Month celebration. Uh, this year it will be held on February 3rd at Crosswalk Church. Um, there, we, there's going to be a keynote by a professor from Sonoma State, um, Patrick Johnson, uh, Land and Labor Acknowledgement, and we have some American Canyon High Black Student Union um, speakers. Um, and dinner from Buster's, which is always um, amazing. So I I can send this out if anybody's interested interested in seeing the flyer. Oh, and I was also wanted to share that Dr. Tia Madison is going to be the MC this year. Nice, thank you, uh, Trustee Rios, Trustee Baker. Um, just want to say Happy New Year to everyone. It seems a little weird to be saying it because it already feels like it's been a year since New Year's. <laughs> but uh, I, I just wanted to note, I kind of feel like a, a little low energy in here. I know you guys are tired probably from starting this semester, but just wanted to uh, offer a uh, um, a little encouragement. Uh, I have, uh, I wanted... I, Today I was in a training and somebody shared this quote from a book called Emergent Strategy by Adrian Marie Brown. And I thought it it actually made me think quite a bit about uh, the college because we've been undergoing so much change in the last uh, year, two years. And I know that can be really wearing on people. Uh, so I thought I would share this. It says, um, the everything is about relationships, critical connections. Chaos is an essential process that we need to engage. The sharing of information is fundamental for organizational success. And vision is an invisible field that binds us together, emerging from relationships and chaos and information. So it sometimes feels like the chaos is going to really drag you down, but it's part of the process. So I appreciate all of the hard work that you all do. By his words, thank you, Trustee Dodd. Part of the process. I am. <laughs> I, I e chaos. <laughs> That's nothing to avoid. 
Uh, okay, uh, I have no report either. I want to thank you guys all for working through me. It's been a while up here, so working through the kinks, mm -hmm. but started off with a tough meeting, but I think we handled it well and looking forward to a good year. Uh, so we'll move to 17 organizational items. Mm -hmm. This is the appointing of trustee members to board committees, their action items. I don't see any change on the committees. I've talked to you guys on it. So 17.2. So one of the first things, I'm going to eliminate the real property committee. I haven't really had a need. We haven't met. Can always bring it back if there's a need down the road. So we're going to eliminate the real property committee. For 17.2, this will be DAS. Talk to Inez and Jenny, and Jenny is going to um, be our trustee on the DAS District Auxiliary Services Foundation Board. And I will just run down this 17.3 BWT. Rafael Rios is going to stay on that. I guess I should be asking for motions. I'm going to do all these and then we'll ask for a motion. Do them all. It's your choice. Well, it asks for a motion in a second, you guys. So we'll do them. We'll do that at the end. So BWT, we're going to keep Trustee Rios, the Napa Valley College Foundation Board. We're going to keep Trustee Dodd. Uh, in terms of Audit and Finance Committee, I'm going to remove myself and Trustee DeLuna has ecstatically said she will take my spot on audit and finance committee. So I thank you for that. Uh, McPherson Distinguished Teaching Award. Um, Jenny, if you want to still do it, not doing that, I'm happy to that on. Thank you. Uh, and then Ed Shank, you, Jason, unless you want to do both that and McPherson. Happy to. And he's on audit and finance. You've got audit and finance. You would take McPherson if you want to do it. You haven't done it yet. Up to you. Okay. So, Trustee Kishnef will be McPherson and me, Dr. Ed Shank. And I will fill in for anyone that can't make their meetings. Just give me a heads up. Okay. Um, so, with those changes, I will except uh, the motion for items 17.2, 17.3, and 17.4. Move approval. Second. Thank you, Trustee Rios, with the motion. Trustee Dodd, second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 And no continuance of closed session. Announcement of future meetings will be the day after Valentine's Day, 2-15-2023. 20, and I will adjourn the meeting at 7-10. What's that interesting start?